0: Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP.
1: Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
2: Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes, but how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure.
1: Welcome everyone to On The Market. In this episode, we're going to be exploring headlines through a game called News or Noise. Then we'll be talking about how to pick a great market to invest in, and our panel of experts are gonna bring their favorite markets in the US, and we're gonna bring in your help to vote on the best investing market in America. Okay, let's jump into our A block today, which is between the headlines. And just as a reminder for everyone, if you weren't here for the first show, you just need a reminder. This is where we break down this week's top stories in a fun and interesting way. And this week, we have a awesome panel, as we always do. We have the genie of wholesaling, Jamil Damji, the wise investor of Woo Woo, Kathy Fecky, and the buy and holder, Henry Washington. How are you guys doing?
3: Wonderful.
1: What's cracking? I miss you guys. It was so much fun having you in Denver. I
3: miss you too. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I haven't even known you guys that long, and I feel like we were all old friends at this point.
3: I haven't been fed like th- three meals an hour for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We got to get back to Bigger Pockets yeah.
1: headquarters, and they'll just keep pumping guys, us full bigger, of food. Bigger Pockets recording. feeds you. Yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> in so many ways oh that was deep uh all right so let's jump
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's jump into let's jump into this week's game we're gonna play a game called news or noise it's pretty simple i'm gonna read you some headlines some background information you tell me if this information is news or if it's noise the first story this week is all about jobs in the u.s recent data that just came out showed that u.s first-time unemployment claims fell much more than expected and are now at the lowest rate they have been since 1968. Other data that was released earlier this month shows that the unemployment rate is now right at where we were pre-pandemic at about 3.6%. Henry, let's start with you. Is this news or noise?
0: I call it news, right? So the unemployment rate's lower. That means more people are working. If more people are working, more people are making money. If more people are making money, then you've got more people that are probably wanting to buy houses. So positive news. Um, you know, you couple that with interest rates going up, maybe it flattens itself out uh, as far as buyers are concerned. But, yeah, if people are working and people are making money, then, uh, you know, there's more money out there and there's more people looking to buy houses. So positive for real estate investors. Jamil?
4: I mean, it's noise to me, because if there's all these people taking all these jobs, I want to know, where are they? (laughs) I can't find them. I can't find them at the movie theater. I can't find them at the restaurants. I can't find them anywhere. (laughs) People are not working. So if everyone's gone back to work, I want to know, where have you gone to work? Because that's where I want to go, because I'm looking for people to
1: help me. Dude, I I totally agree. I mean, everywhere I go, I don't know if it's people are not working or what is going on, but Every single business I've been to at least claims that they can't provide the normal level of customer service because there is a shortage. I don't know if that's true or if they're just coming up with excuses, but the level of customer service at every single business seems to be down considerably.
4: Everything is down. Like today, guys. I I don't want to come off as like you know bougie bo over here, but like even first class when you're flying first class sucks. There's no ice cream, there's no towels, there's no nothing. I'm just oh, waiting for the seats to get small. Oh, I'm waiting for the seats to get small.
1: Oh, oh, oh That's so sad, you and your, your champagne worries. Oh, <laughs> gotta get the God. private
3: jet. All right,
1: Kathy, what do you think about the jobs report, news or noise?
3: Yeah, I think it's definitely news. We are in a very strange time where there's we just came out of this crazy one year or one month recession, whatever it was. It was it was a scary time in March of twenty twenty. And here we are, already recovered for the most part, and with eleven over eleven million job openings. That is news. And and so, yeah, where are these people? And that's the big question. Are are there so many people retiring? Did people decide staying at home was really a kind of a cool thing? And it's not mandated, but I like it. Uh, I, I, I hear there's people that are taking care of others so they can't get the job. They're either taking care of the elderly or they realize, well, I think I just want to take care of my kids and not have someone else do it. So I hope we're not... Going in the way of some other countries where they don't have enough workers for the jobs that are needed because of an aging population and not enough babies. But we do have more younger generations than some of those other countries like Japan and and China. But uh, it does feel that way. Like, where are the workers?
0: Look, Jamil, Jamil needs his towels, right? Like, Absolutely. Okay, let's, not,
4: let's, and, let's not focus on that. Okay. Let's, um, let's, let's just go back to the movie
1: theater. Okay.
0: No, everyone go have more babies. So Jamil yes. can
1: get his towel
0: in first Look, class. Everybody's in their first 30 days of orientation. They'll show up in about a month. It's fine.
3: <laughs> you know, and what's interesting, my, my nephew who is, uh, you know, classic, uh, general Zer, he's like, oh yeah, auntie, uh, a bunch of my friends have like three jobs, three full time jobs. They work like three hours at each, and uh, so if that's true, <laughs> uh, these young tech kids, you know, and they're raking in the dough but taking up three jobs, and there's still all these jobs. But it could be those job openings are in lower paid jobs where we perhaps aren't aren't grooming that demographic it, like has done in the past, which is usually through immigration.
1: Yeah, it's a a good point. It does really feel like whether it's workforce participation, the birth rate or immigration, we have over about 11 million job openings right now. And I just don't see where those 11 million people are going to come from at the current rate. I also think this is kind of interesting news Personally, just because the only thing I think that was keeping the Fed from really aggressively raising interest rates was they wanted to see full employment, and we're pretty much at full employment. So they've already indicated they're going to go really aggressive raising interest rates, and this is probably just more green light for them to do just that. For our second story, Redfin has released some data that they are starting to see early signs of the housing market slowing down. And this is not being reflected in prices, certainly. But they have some internal metrics that show that home buyer demand is actually starting to scale back. They're seeing less online searches and applications for mortgages are down over this period last year. Kathy? Kathy? Is this news or noise?
3: Again, I would say it's news to, this is a shock to the system. It's sticker shock to people who were really spoiled over the past couple of years and in a large demographic who's just looking into their first time home and and things were affordable at a two, three percent interest rate. Now, as it's gone up, it's terrifying those those younger people that maybe just don't know that it's still low. These are still really good rates, but it does affect affordability for a lot of people. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's news. There's a we are in a changing market. We're in a changing market. It's still a good market. You just have to look at things a little bit differently.
1: Henry, what do you think?
0: Eh. Well, <laughs> is it news I mean, enough said yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's
3: it's 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 totally te- know what you mean
0: it's technically news right but when you look at the it, if you look at the perspective of homes and rents right rents are also increasing dramatically and so these people that aren't buying homes are not buying as many homes right now have to live somewhere. And I think what you're going to start to see is that rent increases haven't caught up yet. There are still landlords that haven't raised their rents to these new market rates. And so as those leases come due and they start raising those rents, people are still going to do the math and say, well, I can rent this for $2,000 a month or I can have a mortgage payment of $1,900 a month. And even though that $1,900 is more than the $1,700, I would got you know three or four months ago it's still better than paying this new rent and so I think man you, you, it, and there's still so much demand there's still more demand than supply and so yeah I mean it's news it's slowed down a little bit but once rents catch up and all these people show up to work that we just talked about <laughs> then I think I think you, you're still gonna have a bunch of buyers out there
1: Jamil what do you got
4: I mean I, I right now I think it's news I'm noticing just in our flipping business typically when we would put a property on the mls we'd have showings immediately we'd have offers immediately and that has actually slowed down so in the last week or so that we've put on four new flips uh it's been it 's been tremendously slower than it was weeks prior, and so it makes sense to me if Redfin a technology company whose algorithm and whose da- data people are actually looking at how many people are searching how many people are are, are looking what are they what are they looking for, and if they 're seeing that that 's tremendously down or if that's if that 's taking a downtick then that tells us something right and i and i like reading the writing on the wall especially from technology companies that are tracking this kind of information because it kind of gives us a glimpse into what's coming around the corner so i think it's news i'm i'm actually paying attention to it we're going to be pricing our flips more aggressively because i hate days on market so i think it's news to me
3: <laughs> i mean you know dave it's like if the fed says that they want to slow down the economy they're they're Probably going to do that. That's yep. that is the biggest, um, yeah, metric to look at is what's the Fed going to do with interest rates because they intentionally want to slow things down and they usually get what they want.
1: Yeah, they they tend to do that. Jamil, though, are you are are you seeing this to the point where you're getting just less offers, or you're getting no offers? Just generally speaking, is it actually affecting your business, or is it just like you're not you're now you were having over asking offers and now it's five this week we've had none
4: so it's a huge difference than it was just last week now again guys i'm not a cross section of the united states right my flipping business is my flipping business and maybe we were aggressively pricing maybe we were a little bit high you know we've been coming off this drunken party that we were just at and so the (laughs) hangover right now is still there and possibly it's possible that we might have just been a little bit overpriced in our, in our, in our property. Right. And so I'm, I'm looking at it. The fact that just this last week we had, we literally had no offers and that would never happen. Our flips are gorgeous, right? We would always get at least showings, people talking to us, agents saying, Hey, I, you know, I think you might be a little overpriced, whatever that is. It's been silent, radio silent. So something's happening. I, I, I sense it.
0: Yeah, definitely market specific for sure. I'm in a I'm in a much smaller market, much lower price point, and so much more quote unquote affordable if you look at a national perspective. And I've seen a downtick in offers, but a small downtick. Instead of nine offers, I'll get, you know, seven or five or something like that. But they're all still really competitive offers.
1: All right, well that's a good segue to our last story this week, which is that the Dallas Fed came out and said that they are worried that the housing market is in a housing bubble. They came out and said that the the behavior of people in the housing market is unhinged from fundamentals and abnormal for the first time since the boom of the early 2000s. Jamil, I can see the anger on your face just building up right now. <laughs> is this news or noise? I mean,
4: it's this is noise, okay? Like what the hell are they doing? We look, you you don't the Dallas Fed, okay? You, could, you the fact that it's like the Dallas Fed, okay? Guys, quit shooting your guns in the air, and let's pay attention to what's happening in the world, all right? <laughs> like, like, honestly, honestly, call, calling a housing market unhinged? Sorry. Unhinged. That's just, it's irresponsible to me. I don't like inflammatory language, especially when we're talking about uh, a, a body that has so much influence, right? They they carry a lot of influence, and to use words like unhinged and abnormal and and, and, and just make a statement like that i think it's irresponsible and i think it's unfounded and yosemite sam come on let's stop it
1: <laughs> kathy what do you think
3: um jamil i think the housing market is unhinged <laughs> um, no i really do uh, it's an incredibly unhealthy housing market it has I, I mean we just look at certain areas like phoenix what Rents went up how much? Like, I
4: mean, it's like 30% 30 or 30, 40 30
3: percent yeah. 30% in Boise, in Austin, home prices went up 50 percent. That's not healthy. Uh, that's not good. Now, as investors, sure, who doesn't want to make a lot of money? Uh, but we can't be so selfish and only think about what's good for us. It, we've got to look at what's good for our world and uh, for a somebody trying to buy a house that's now 50% more than it was last year, that's just not normal, not sustainable, and not healthy. And that's why the Fed, I think, maybe has woken up and said, oh, maybe we were giving out a little too much free money. Maybe we're making this a little too easy uh, at a time when it really wasn't needed. You know, the Fed is supposed to come in when, when there's a horrible recession. And of course, there was in COVID, but it was a it was a forced recession, right? People weren't allowed to work. It was a pretty strong economy before that. So to like, obviously when people weren't allowed to work they needed to do something, but they kept that going way too long and things got out of control. Uh, if there had been a way just to raise interest rates just for mortgages, and I know the Fed doesn't really control that, uh, maybe that would have kept things more in line with, with a, a steady growth. But yeah, we've got a situation where, or if the if there was a way for more money to go just to new construction and make that easier, but at at all at once, it became super affordable with low interest rates to buy housing at a time when there wasn't enough supply and it was really hard to bring on new supply, and then you have this massive millen- uh, millennial generation right at the peak home buying age at the largest with the largest group of millennials. So it all came together. At a time that, again, it was great if you already owned real estate. For those who do, you just made a ton of money. But for those trying to get in or trying to rent, it's it's going to be really difficult. It's hard on families and that's just not healthy. So I would say, yeah, there's a bubble. The question is, will it pop? That's I do believe there's a bubble, but I don't think it's gonna pop. Kind of a weird weird situation.
4: <laughs> don't all bubbles have to pop though? I mean, isn't that a if you, would, it, would it be called something else if it's not going to pop?
3: Wow, I've never defined a bubble before. I think
4: I mean I think we gotta we got it's, it's, it's is it a sphere?
0: It's a spike. I don't
4: it's know. A, maybe, I, it's a,
3: maybe it's maybe it's a globe. I
4: I yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if we can call it a bubble if it's not gonna
0: pop. It's a spike, right? We we've we've talked about this before. Real estate as a whole, when you look over time, is an increasing trend line, right? And just like any stock or trend, right? That's either always going up or always going down. When you zoom in from the macro into the into the micro, you'll see that that is really peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. But overall, it's trending up. This is obviously a peak, right? And so, will it will it come down at some point? Yeah, probably, right? But right now, all the indicators are saying that things aren't really coming down, right? Um. You know, so, you know, in my take, this is this is this is noise, right? Like you're still going to be able to you still got people who need to buy homes, who want to buy homes and who are who are figuring out ways to buy homes. And this isn't like 2008 with subprime lending. Right. A lot of these homes that are going over asking price are not the lenders giving them more money. It's their appraisals coming back under value and they're just saying, Yeah, well I'll throw the extra fifty K at this house, right? So that I can get in there. It's it's the buyers that are throwing the extra money. And so the buyers are saying, Yeah, the appraisal's this, but this house is worth more than that to me so that I can so that I can own a home. It's a different it's a different reason for people overpaying for homes. The the people in the market are dictating what they're saying the home is worth to them and that is essentially what makes home prices go up right because now we comp the rest of the homes based on what they're selling for once we get closed sales so yeah man it, it, it to me it's noise people are still figuring out ways to buy homes is it harder for some people to buy homes than it was a year or two ago absolutely right but um there's still always been a subset of people who are just on the cusp of being able to buy that subset's just a little larger right now and when things when tides change and the economy shifts a little bit then it'll be a little easier it's 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 the way of the, it's the way real estate has always gone that's a
1: great point i i think that one the the terminology here really matters because it seems that people who look at the housing market and say this is insane it is unhinged it is a bubble And some people do genuinely believe that, but I think it's important to separate the idea of a bubble, which as Jamil and Kathy were just talking about, has to pop. Or is it just a super unhealthy housing market? Because that's sort of how I see it. I don't necessarily think it's going to pop and we're going to see a 20% decrease in home prices. But I do think what is going on right now is abnormal and is probably not good for anyone. It's not good for the housing market. It's not good for home buyers. It's not good for investors. This is not a sustainable thing. And personally, I think we'll see housing prices go down in the next few years at some point, but not to pre-pandemic levels. Like I don't think this is going to pop in that sort of way. I think we'll right. see it go down 5%, maybe 10% at the very most. And in my mind, that's not a bubble. That is a normal economic cycle where asset prices do go down. But that's just me. Kathy, what do you think about that? When you say it's when you think it's a bubble and it's unhinged, do you think we're going to see like a huge retraction in prices at some point?
3: Well, I just want to say to Jamil, you must not have been very good at at chewing gum, like bubble gum, where you you get really good at practicing blowing bubbles that don't pop, right? <laughs> no, I do think that that this is inflated, uh, but it I I think it will s- depending on what the Fed does. Hey, it all comes down to what the Fed does. If interest rates go up a lot this year, then we, it could be different than if they just do a slow raise of rates, and now they're talking about being more aggressive. So to me, it all comes down to the flow of money and the cost of money, and that's a gift. It's a gift from the Federal Reserve. I don't think too many of us could just go out and buy a house with all cash. Some can, most people can't. Uh, so it all depends on your access to money and the flow of money, and the Fed controls that, the central bank. So if the central bank said today, hey, we're just going to stop altogether, no more money for anybody, you'd see, you'd see a lot of problems. And they're obviously not going to do that. But they have to, they're going to raise the cost of money, and they're tapering how much is out there. So they're pulling money out of the market, and they're raising the cost. Will they do it right? Will they? We don't know. So there's just a lot of unknowns. That's why for me, in my investing strategy, I'm going to stay in in less bubblicious markets. I'm gonna be, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> like if if I bought something in Austin or, or Boise, I might consider selling it today in 1031 into a, a, a area that isn't so out of control. And that's why we choose, and we're gonna be talking about those markets, but that's why still our strategy hasn't changed. I'm always looking for markets where the average person can afford the average rent or property. I don't wanna be in an unbalanced market. Now, if I got into a market that becomes unbalanced, I might just take my money and run and go to another market where, I, where it's more stable. So that for me, and we'll talk about that later, you know how, how you find those markets.
1: All right, great. Well, Kathy, professional newscaster over here, putting in a perfect segue into our next segment where we are going to be talking about (laughs) the 2022 housing market and how to pick a housing market. And we are going to start the process of anointing the best housing market in the country in 2022. We'll be right back after this. This show is
5: sponsored by Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve steadily.com. can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
2: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death
1: Welcome back, everyone. We are gonna jump into our due diligence section. And just as a reminder, each week on on the market, we will have a due diligence topic where we dive into a super important topic for real estate investors. And today, what we're doing is we're going to talk all about selecting markets to invest in. We're going to have a brief conversation about what indicators and data everyone on the panel looks at. And then we're all going to pitch our favorite markets and have you, our listeners, vote over the next couple of weeks on the best housing market to invest in in 2022. You guys ready for this? ready sir. all yes, right jamil let's start with you when you are looking at a market either to wholesale in flip in or buy a long-term rental in, what are the main indicators or data points you start with when trying to narrow down where to invest
4: well, for me, population growth and and jobs are really important, right? And so I'm looking at, do we have net positive population growth? If we do, what industries are moving into that market? I want to understand where: how are people going to be earning a living? Are we going to see trends that are going to attract more people to that specific market? So for me, that's really, those those two pieces are, are my primary pieces of, of information. Then I'm just looking at median housing prices, right? So is it still... An affordable place to live. And if I can hit those three things in a, in a, in a you know, nice, cohesive way, like I've got great, great population growth, I've got affordability, and I've got good industry, to me that makes sense. That's where I'm going to be placing my bets as a wholesaler.
1: What about you, Kathy? You were just talking about staying away from bubblicious markets. How do you avoid those (laughs) bubblicious (laughs) markets?
3: Well, I mean, I like to get into those markets before they bubble. That was uh, what we did back in 2005. We were buying in Dallas, and I can't tell you how many people just thought I was crazy because they looked at the past. Oh, prices have never gone up there. And uh, you know, there's nothing but land. But the metrics we were looking at is exactly what Jamil said: is jo- there was job growth, population growth, and it takes. It doesn't matter how much land is there; it takes a while to get things up and running. You need utilities. So, with um, you know, looking at the markets that we're interested in, we want to make sure that it's it's affordable currently. But that there's going to be changes coming because I I like a dirty little word in real estate. <laughs> I like appreciation. And I know most people say, just look at cash flow, but I'm from California and i that's all we lo- know is appreciation. So I still want to find it, but I want to at least have all the expenses covered with some cash flow uh, left over, but mostly expenses covered. So we want to see an area that's been historically pretty linear, um, stable, affordable, but something's about to change in that market. There's a, a big employer coming or, or a lot of job growth. Or, um, in this case, we've got Migration patterns that are really changing things, uh, where you know people from high price markets are going to other markets that are extremely affordable to them. So those are those are the main things. I, I like everything Jamil said. I actually think he might have copied my my preparation. <laughs> <for this. laughs>
4: no, 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 no Kath, <laughs> Kathy, I was just I, I was channeling you because I I was thinking, hey, Californians make. California into the rest of America. We, the, you guys just want to just make everywhere California. So I get it. I understand it. I understand it.
3: Yeah. And then we go somewhere else and we're like, oh, yes. we're oh like, this oh, place
4: needs home. to be more like California. Yeah. How do yeah. we make this place more like California?
3: It's true. And, you know, so many. Well, I I mean, honestly, a lot of people are saying, get me the heck out of California. I mean, that's what we're seeing. And uh, and some of these areas where people kind of had to live because that was where their job was, Uh, was job centers like New York and L.A. and San Francisco. And and so you're kind of forced to – you know, live in a very expensive place that, you know, was maybe just a room, you know, just a studio and and not much for you. And now that is shifting. That is shifting thanks to technology. And that's not changing. You know, technology is going to make it easier and easier for people to live anywhere and not have to be crowded into an inner city, Mm -hmm. into a big city. So again, that's, that's what we look for is what's happening. And so I, in addition to everything Jamil said, I love to see population growth and job growth, but that's kind of like once you see those metrics, you might have already missed it. So getting mm. before that is finding out where where the uh, where the infrastructure is changing. Again, when we decided to invest in Dallas, oh my gosh, almost twenty years ago, uh, what we saw was massive construction of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. There were new freeways going in, new headquarters going in new hospitals, new schools, that tells you something that's preparing for population growth. So you get there before everybody else.
1: Henry, what about you? I know you're mostly focused in your own local market. um, But are you looking at new markets? And even within your own local market, how do you try and identify neighborhoods or specific areas of the state uh, that you're particularly
0: interested in? Yeah, so it's similar to what Kathy said, and also that's how you know Kathy's got all the money because she's like, I just want appreciation. <laughs> Who needs cash flow? I got cash flow. Just give me all that appreciation. That's that's a good boat to be in. I like that. Hey, cash flow oh. so boring. <laughs> money every month. Just cash flow so middle class. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you need both. You yep. need both.
0: <laughs> Appreciation. Jamil wants first class. It's cool. I'm just over here in Arkansas buying fifty <laughs> thousand I house. want wet <laughs> towels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Uh
4: look. It, it, it's,
0: it, you know, I look for similar things in market growth. So am I am I actively looking outside of my market? Kind of yes, kind of no. So I have started to buy um about an hour or forty five minutes away in southwest Missouri, right? And the reason I'm doing that is because the my market uh, that I'm in now is starting to get more popular for reasons that we'll talk about um, later. And I'm just trying to be strategic. And so what I looked for is what are some areas in a short driving distance that I feel like have strong enough jobs in industry that it's still going to demand that people need and want to live there um, but it might not be as cool or sexy as some of the markets around it. Cause what happens is, you know, it's like the Austin, Texas effect, right? Like before it was cool, people were buying in Austin. And then as it started to get more cool, the, 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 buying starts to spread. Like the town gets bigger. People are willing to buy a little further out. Um, and so I just started looking at where is a market that's close, not as cool or sexy, right? But that has the solid fundamentals, the jobs, right? Um, steady population, you know, it doesn't have to be massive growth. It, it, as long as it's steady and the jobs are jobs that aren't going anywhere. So I love what they said about, about what Kathy and Jamil said about looking at, looking at jobs in industry. Um, what I like to look for is yes, what jobs are, what industry is there? And then what, what types of industry is it? Because I really like, industry that is definitely not going anywhere or growing so like if you've got tech companies that's amazing right because then your workforce moving in is going to be younger Um, and we all know that technology is is it's not going, it's just improving. Right. And so, um, I also like healthcare, right. And I like the mix of both. So I like biotech, right. Where you, you get a mix of the technology and the healthcare. And so I'm looking at, yes, does it have jobs, but does it have jobs that are on the rise? Whereas like, if you're, if you're, you know, if the economy is built around, you know, uh, you know, manufacturing or blue collar, right. Some of that stuff is starting to, to taper down. And so um, I just kind of pay attention to what that is. And then I like to look for, I like to look at what everybody else is doing and where everybody else is investing and then not do that, <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> <Not contrarian. laughs> and, and, and it's like that with most things in life. If there's something that you want to be good at, if there's something that you want to be exceptional at, look at everybody else that's doing it and then find the niche that's, that, that's what they're they are not doing, right? And so for me, I'm looking at markets that meet all these criteria but that are also places that people say they don't like, right? Because if they have all of these factors, it has all the, the the formula is perfect for making money. It's just not sexy, right? And so people don't want to buy there, not because that the the numbers don't make sense, but that it's just not sexy. So I I like to look for that not sexy factor with all of the right metrics as well.
1: Henry, where do you find this data? Is there any one source, or how do could people listening to this? follow in your footsteps and look for that type of information.
0: Yeah, I absolutely use this super ninja tool, um, Mm. the internet and Google. Tell (laughs) me more. (laughs) 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 No, but in all all seriousness, um, it just takes a little legwork, right? And we can't trust every internet source that we find. Um, But when you look at, so when I'm doing research, I'm typically looking at three or four you know, different articles speaking about the same thing, right? And then I figure the truth is somewhere in the middle. And then if you take that and you couple it with a trusted source, right, you can pretty easily get on bigger pockets, right, and hop in the forums and do some searches and find out, you know, similar. Similar things that actual investors in the market are saying or connect with somebody who's in that market that can verify some of this stuff I think what happens is people just want to type it in Google get an answer and be like perfect This is the word and now i'm gonna go throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at this market based on this Like just do a little bit of extra research, right? If you can't find a viable source if you don't trust the source that you're reading bigger pockets is a huge resource to find actual people doing deals in every market in the country Just take the extra step to connect with somebody and try to verify some of your statistics or spend a couple hundred dollars on a plane ticket and go. If you're going to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars buying property there, you can spend a couple hundred on a plane ticket to go there. Mm -hmm. Right. And research for yourself. People just I don't know why people rule that out. And I only said a couple hundred dollars because we're probably going to fly coach and Jamil's going to fly first class. So. He'll, yeah. he'll spend like a $1,000. Hey,
4: Henry, don't, don't front, man. You don't fly coach.
0: <laughs> well, I can't, I can't fit in coach. So I don't, a, I don't have an option. I am coach. So I have to fly in You know, class. Henry, I love that advice about uh, going and
1: visiting a market because I am doing that right now. The reason I am in this beautiful hotel room, uh, as you can see in my background, if you're watching this on YouTube, is because I'm in Central Texas going to look at a couple different markets to drive around. And I flew here and there were no towels and there was no ice cream. And it was very disappointing because I was in the last row of the plate in the middle seat, crunched between two people, and it was not very enjoyable. But very worth the money to come here and see this for myself. I'm the guy you get stuck next to in coach. We'd have a great time. (laughs) All right. Before we go into our pitch where I want to hear what you guys think are the best markets in the country, Jamil or Kathy, do you guys have any other thoughts on where our listeners can find good data or any tips on doing research on good markets? I like the
4: the data that Redfin's releasing. I mean, I think that they're paying a lot of attention to what's going on. I've been I've been uh, reading the Wall Street Journal as well. Um, that's been for me my two main sources of information. Um, what about you, Kathy?
3: We used to use city data a lot, and that seems like they've changed their metrics, which is kind of a bummer because it would show you, unless I'm just using it wrong, but it would show you, um, you know, changes in wages and and crime rates and. But traditionally. It's for me. It has been uh, calling. Well, first of all, we have a big network, and I had a podcast, one of the first ones, so I would get a lot of feedback just from people, boots on the street, what people are doing, and then I would jump on a plane and go meet with the uh, planning commission and the, you know, go to the chamber and just find out what's going on. And then another source is property managers. That was in in the beginning and still. I want to know what they know. They know. They know. They know who's calling, where they're coming from, what their jobs are, and it was always I would when I went to a city, I would meet with 10 property managers to find out. And they would show me maps. And they'd say, "Yeah, we're getting calls from here. I don't know why." And then I'd look into it. Oh. Oh, there's like this big job, you know, this, you know, company moving in there or whatever.
0: It's an amazing tip. Property managers are a huge source of like an underrated source of information, and I think another underrated source of information are title companies. They're They're doing all of the closings, yes, for all of the things that are happening
1: really good tips. I'll also say, just as a reminder, if you didn't listen to the first episode, we did give away a ton of great data in our first ever data drop. You can go to biggerpockets.com slash drop and check that out if you want to get more rent data. Uh, We have a lot of that on BiggerPockets. I also highly recommend uh, the Fred website. I don't know if you guys ever use that, but it's the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. And they aggregate a lot of government data like uh, unemployment rates or uh, what Henry was talking about, looking what industries are growing and where jobs are. They have a lot of that kind of data. Um, It's all entirely free that you can get that there for yourself. Okay, so now that we have talked about what you guys look for in a market, I want to hear your best Two markets in the U.S. right now. I was very inspired by watching some March Madness over the last couple of weeks. And we're gonna we're not gonna do a 64 city tournament. I think that's a little too much. We're gonna start at the Elite Eight. So each of us are gonna give two of our top markets, and we're gonna explain why you're each gonna get, let's say two minutes to pitch why the market you you like. Um, and then we are going to take this all to social media. And you, everyone who's listening here can vote on which matchup, you know, so we might have one of Henry's cities versus one of Kathy's and you're going to be able to go on the bigger pockets, uh, Instagram and social media channels, and you'll be able to vote there. So Henry, let's start with you. Pitch us your top market in the US for investors right now.
0: Yeah, so I have selected two, but one of the, the ones I'll talk about outside of my my home market is I like Cleveland. I like Cleveland, Ohio as an investor's market, right? So I talked a little bit about looking for industry, right, and what types of industry are there. I also talked about like looking for those metrics in areas where people think it's unsexy, right? Um, you know if if it's a, if it's a sexy part of the world and it has all these metrics most everybody's seen it right but sometimes just the fact that it's a cold place or a place that like has sports curses like cleveland like people people just kind of tune out to 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 how amazing of an investment market it can be and so the things i love about cleveland right what i look for in a market is like I want to grow and scale my portfolio. It's easier to grow and scale your portfolio when your median home price is on the lower end of the national scale. So in Cleveland, you're at $115,000 right now for a median home price, right? And it's it's the 34th largest metropolitan area in the US, but you're still at about 115000 as a median home price. That's amazing. But if you look at the rents, rents, average rents are at $1,000, 1050 a month. That's insane, man. That's really, really good cash on cash return if you can buy the right house, right? And so with it being such a large metropolitan area, you start to look at the jobs. What are the jobs? What's keeping people there? You look at Technology, right? So they're big in biotech. They're big in fuel cell research. They've got a NASA research center. They've got the Cleveland Clinic. Like healthcare's massive there. Tons of hospitals, tons of schools, right? This is industry that's not going anywhere, right? So you're always going to have jobs. You've got a huge traveling nurse population. That's great for short term rentals. Um, and then you've got your home values are increasing. They're up twenty three percent, but you're 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 Your price to enter is still fairly low. And so that number isn't too intimidating. And then 50% of the population rents, 50% rents. So it just just seems like a great market if you're a new real estate investor, right, where you want to buy something, where you feel like you're not priced out of that market, but you want your money to be safe because you feel like people are going to continue to live and work and travel to that area, then... I think what what a great market to get started in.
1: All right, I like it, and one of the probably one of the cities in the few cities in the U.S. where you can actually find deals that meet the one percent rule on the MLS. I mean, I mean, there's probably a handful in the whole country, but Cleveland is definitely one of them. All right, Kathy, what is one of your two markets that you want to pitch to us? You got two minutes on the clock.
3: I'm going to see if you can guess. Okay. All right, this city past San Francisco is the 15th largest. Uh, Redfin Data's migration tool shows that New York, DC, LA and Chicago metros are searching the most to to migrate to this area. Uh, It has high paying financial jobs and job growth is expected to be 45% over the next 10 years. Very landlord friendly. And affordable, relatively speaking, especially for people looking from New York and DC and so forth, uh, around 350,000 for a new home uh, with prices going up 26% last year. Rent growth has been around 10%, so not as massive as other areas, but that tells me there might be still some room for growth there. And a metro of 2.2. I'm gonna give you some more. You're definitely gonna figure it out, so I'm not gonna tell that, any guesses?
1: I feel like it's in Florida. Uh,
3: Close. All right. This might give it away. But number one, it was voted number one in tech by some, you know, they all have different voting. But this was COMTIA. So tech, this is going to give it away, though. NASCAR. Charlotte. Charlotte.
1: The amount of financial jobs, like you said, is unbelievable. There's just so many big banks, insurance companies there, a lot of high paying jobs, and the whole state just seems to be on fire right
3: now. You can't say on fire to it, a Californian, because that just scares us. <laughs> Triggered. But uh,
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not. It's not on fire. It's like a mudslide. There. I mean, oh, gosh, what do you? Say? Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's like high tax. I mean, no.
3: Oh.
0: I'm from California. I'm from California. I can make these. <laughs> that was just okay. a tsunami
4: of distaste.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, I'm going to go full sex and uh, bubblegum here, um, because for me as a wholesaler, I'm looking for flipping activity. I'm looking for appreciation. I'm looking for population growth. I'm looking for, um, you know, strong jobs. I'm looking for, uh, a lot of Californians moving there. Uh, because again, um, for, for what we do as wholesalers, we're typically looking for opportunity for fix and flip activity. And so my number one pick and, and the reason for it is because population growth, 2.79 percent. we've got a median household income of 102,876 dollars. I mean, people there are rich. Um, not only that, but you know year- over year, the rent growth was the highest in the nation, and we're seeing incredible, incredible, incredible just growth in terms of uh, jobs and, and different industry going there. It's the 48th best city to flip in, and it's going to be none other than sexy, sexy, sexy Austin, Texas.
1: Oh, going with the high price market. You know, I am sitting in Austin, Texas yep. right now. And just last night, I went out And you, to, and you love it. I, it's awesome. I, I went out to the South Congress neighborhood, which is that like really iconic strip. And I've been there like six years ago, and it was already cool. There's a lot going on. But I went out there last night, just walking around, and I saw, I think, two Ferraris, a Lamborghini, and like a Bugatti. And it's like- since when did Austin become Miami beach? You know, it's like this really incredible place. There's just so much money flying around here. It's insane. It really is.
3: Yeah. And I just want to go back to that. Like, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm taking Jamil's spot, but I just got to No, you're good. It's, it's one of those places when we talked about cash flow versus appreciation, I didn't invest there 20 years ago like a dummy because it didn't have as good a cash flow as Dallas. I mean, Dallas was still great, but I knew what was happening in Austin and I knew that i from the San Francisco Bay Area and I knew that the tech industry was moving there, but it still was like, eh, you know, I can get better elsewhere, but the you know, and again. If I had just put on my appreciation thinking cap, then I would have just bought and been okay with breakeven.
4: The thing about it is, Kathy, I know how Californians want to make California everywhere. And I think Austin is becoming california faster than anywhere else and so if we're looking at massive 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 appreciation yeah i'm sex and bubblegum, right that's what it is and so uh that's i think austin has a way to go still and i think that it's attracting a lot of liquidity a lot of activity so i'm really bullish on it i'm not saying for the long term i'm saying for the next year that's where we're paying a lot of attention
3: Yeah, and the slogan is keep Austin weird, right? So it's like California is going to totally help you (laughs) with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's why we called you the wise woo-woo investor, Kathy. (laughs) Thank
3: you. Thank you.
1: (laughs) All right, so for my first one, I am going to Florida. Uh, It is a market that saw 28% year-over-year growth and 30% year-over-year rent growth, and that is none other than Tampa Florida, I've been saying this for a while. I think Tampa is going to be the fastest growing market for 2022. And one of the things I really like about Tampa is that although the rent to price ratio in the city is about 0.6 and I'm rounding there, you still can find some decently cash flowing deals in Tampa. And I think that there's huge appreciation prospects because you're seeing tech companies move in. There's a huge healthcare presence. Henry was talking a lot about this, but Pfizer just uh, brought in a new office there. Johnson and Johnson, Bristol, Miles, Squibb have, have good ones. And there's something to say about good like people love the beach and they want to be close to, to good amenities. Um, I think that's why we're seeing uh, Florida blow up so right now. And I'll just add two other things that I really like about Tampa. One, people seem to love the no income tax states right now. That's Florida, Texas, Washington also. But Florida and Texas, you see a lot of companies moving there for this reason. And I think um, that's going to to help uh Tampa. And one thing, you know, as a data guy, I don't know how to quantify this that I also really like is like this idea of having a geographic boundary in a city. Like everyone wants to get close to the water, But you can't make more beachfront. And so those prices, the things that are close to the water and those amenities are likely to go up. You see this in cities like Manhattan. You know, it's a tiny island. So everything goes up. But if you see in the Midwest where things can grow out, there's often less appreciation. So that that is my first round pick is Tampa. So... Just to remind everyone, first round picks, we've got Henry with Cleveland, we have Jamil with Austin, Kathy with Charlotte, and me with Tampa. Jamil, what's your second round pick? So my second round
4: pick is a little different, but for the same reasons, again, I'm looking at this as a wholesaler, I'm looking for flip activity, I'm looking for opportunity for a lot of housing that's still in, um, you know, uh, need to be repositioned, there's a strong resale market over there. Population growth in this market was 1.3 percent. We've got a population of 2.9 million. The median household income of seventy-two thousand eight hundred eighty-two dollars. Big, big, big tech coming into this place, and it's also the home of the bigger pockets headquarters. And how could you not place a bet there? Right? How could you not place a bet there? Um, my my second market, and I think that there's a great opportunity. A great opportunity here. It's going to be Denver, Colorado.
1: Nah, don't, just forget about Denver. Just don't, don't even worry about it.
3: And the food.
4: <laughs> I know you don't want me to say Denver, Dave, but I know you don't want me to say Denver because you don't want people to come to Denver. <laughs>
1: it's selfish. No, it's a great market. You think Obviously, it's, your- it's a great market.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, Henry, what's your second pick? So this was, this was easy for me, right? Because I live here. I had to go home right? I live in Northwest Arkansas. And so, you know, I'm, I'm labeling it, well, I'm not labeling it, it's called Northwest Arkansas. It's a smattering of like four small cities right on top of each other, right? And so the the area itself is uh, fairly small compared to the markets we've been talking about. We've got a population of about uh, 546,000, right? But What people, again, I look for, I like the unsexy. People don't see Arkansas as a sexy market, but you can have sexy in an unsexy city. I'm telling you, this place is, um, it houses very large recession-proof companies. And what comes with that are high-paying jobs. It is the headquarters of Walmart one of the largest employers in the world, right? And so their corporate offices are here. So you've got people literally moving here from all over the world, not just the country, but from all over the world, they're moving to Northwest Arkansas. The Waltons, several of them are on the Forbes list. There's a ton of money in that family and they pour, their Walton Foundation pours that money into this community. And so it's it's kind of like Austin, Texas before Austin, Texas was cool, right? And so what what also plays into that is we have a huge outdoor industry. It's the large, it's the mountain biking capital of the world, right? People love to come here and camp and fish and ride the trails and go hiking, right? And so for people in the know in those industries, they know that Northwest Arkansas is a, is a great travel destination, but most of the country doesn't realize that. Most of the country doesn't know that not only is Walmart, one of the largest employees in the world headquartered here, but you also have Tyson Foods, right? Tyson Chicken. Everybody's eating some Tyson Chicken Tender. If you had... If you had chicken today, it probably came from a Tyson plant. Like that they, they they have they have that industry on lock, right? And so you've got Tyson Foods, they own Hillshire Farms and a bunch of other brands, right? And so they're a massive, massive employer. And, they, and, and and they're even gonna get more important as we start to enter in what they think is gonna be this food shortage, right? And so Walmart and Tyson Foods is gonna be huge. Another employer that is huge and it that that is headquartered right here in northwest Arkansas. JB hunt transportation. And you might be thinking like that kind of sounds familiar. I promise you go get on the freeway and drive somewhere today and look to your left or your right, you'll see a JB hunt truck right? Transportation is huge. Walmart sells goods and services at a low price. Tyson Foods sells food. J.B. Hunt moves all that stuff. These companies thrive in a recession. These companies thrive when things are bad and they thrive when things are good. And so you're always going to have jobs and people moving to live in this area. And it's awesome because it's still Arkansas. So your entry price is low, right? The cost, the average cost of a home is around three hundred and twenty-five. 325000 which is which you might think is a lot for Arkansas, but it's gone up a lot in the past year. But you can still find plenty of homes under $200,000, right? It's getting harder now, but you can get those low entries, but you can also get great rents because you've got people who want to move here from all over the world and they go, well, I don't want to live in Arkansas. And so they rent. Right. And so you get great rents. <laughs> you get great rents from people with great jobs. You've got low entry prices and you've got the University of Arkansas kind of rounding it all out down there. So it's 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 a great, great market.
3: You forgot one thing. Crystals.
0: <laughs> Crystals.
3: You can do- go crystal hunting. You know what?
0: You're like the third person that's talked about you, that recently.
4: You, yes.
3: I want to go there.
4: You can't call it hunting when the crystals don't run <laughs> away. Fair enough.
3: Digging. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I'm coming out. I'm going well, crystal shopping.
0: Because you better believe I'm coming <laughs> to Malibu.
1: All right, Kathy, what's your second market?
3: Well, it's a market that has at least one month of summer and it has an industry that might come back someday, and I have some land there I can sell you. It's in North (laughs) Dakota. Just kidding, I really do have land there, and I'm so happy to sell it to you. (laughs) That's not my market today, though.
1: Yeah, at least one month of summer. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what is this? (laughs) I was like, what's happening here?
3: (laughs) I bought some land in North Dakota when it was booming. Yeah, one industry of oil, don't do that people, all right. Okay, so the other more diversified place that I'm going to talk about is uh, a metro with 1.2 million people. There's been uh, 10% growth since 2020, so pretty good, that's it, two years. Um, unemployment, this city had the lowest unemployment during the worst part of COVID recession. In fact, it had more jobs in 2020 than before 2020. So ugh, crazy. And uh, and just continues to grow. Future job growth, 39%. It's the fifth fastest growing city. And there's lots of babies being born there. Guesses? Clueless. Okay, it's by a very great ski resort that I like to go to where we do have land. And that actually is good land. That ski resort. Salt Lake City. Is- yes. Yes, oh, Salt great. Lake City.
4: That's great. Lots of babies. Yeah, yeah that's a good choice. I like it.
1: All right. For my last one is one I am going to drive down to tomorrow. I've actually never been here, but on paper, I really like the idea of San Antonio. I, having invested in Denver for the last couple of years, as Denver has gotten so expensive, I've seen that these markets like an hour away in in either direction have really started to see people Um, move to them. You move out of Denver to Colorado Springs or to Longmont or to Arvada and Aurora, and you're starting to see these secondary cities really take off, the more affordable cities. And I think with the Expansion of work from home, we're going to start to see that. And as Austin just gets so expensive, San Antonio has a lot to offer and it's still really affordable. The median home price is only just above $300,000 right now. And rents really haven't caught up yet. So I think a lot of people are ignoring it because you're not seeing great cash flow. But I think, as Kathy was saying, you want to get somewhere a little bit before it starts to pop. And I think San Antonio, it might be a little bit riskier um, because it's not as developed of a market it is the eighth biggest city in the country though it's a big market but from an investing perspective you haven't seen the economic growth that you see in a lot of the other cities that we've talked about so far but you're starting to see tech companies move there and one of the things i really like about it is that over the last two years san antonio has seen a 24 percent increase in tech worker migration and that's one of those let's types of things I look at for a lead indicator that might lead to future economic growth. So I'll report back to you guys after I go visit it tomorrow. But I'm really big on San Antonio on paper. Okay, so that brings us to our last section of today's podcast, which is our crowdsource section, our opportunity to interact with you, all of our listeners. And for today, we want you to vote. We have our March Madness bracket. So we are recording this now, but in the time between us recording this and you listening to this, I'm actually going to seed all of our markets and make an Elite Eight bracket for you. And if you go on the Bigger Pockets Instagram, you can go and vote on which market. So they'll, we'll pit them against each other. Just as an example, we might have San Antonio against Charlotte. And you can vote. And we were going to carry out the whole bracket until there is one winner. And we'll have a prize for whichever one of our panelists brought the winning market to the table. Do you guys have anything to add before we part
0: ways this week? Always bet on sex and bubblegum. My, my markets are unsexy, but they'll get you wealthy.
3: Um, I guess my tip would be don't tell all your secrets on bigger pockets.
4: <laughs> oh, so guys, just so you know, Kathy
1: didn't really share. She didn't.
4: No, really I really tell
3: us. did. I really did. And now I'm nervous. <laughs> well, my, my
1: advice on top of just. Please vote for my cities, um, are is to go and look at this research for yourself. Like there is a lot of free data. You can either download this data on bigger pockets or you can go to the Fred or uh, any of the other sources that Henry, Jamil, and Kathy shared today. If you're interested in going and investing in a new market, or maybe you just want to gain confidence investing in the market where you live in, or I think. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but generally speaking, I think all of the advice that we gave today applies for neighborhoods within a market, too. Like, look at where cool jobs and where new company headquarters are. So that is the challenge for the week. Go on BiggerPockets Instagram and vote for your favorite cities, but also do the research for yourself and learn about your market and get a really good, solid understanding of the fundamentals that underpin your investing market. Okay. Thank you guys so much for joining us for our second ever episode of On the Market. This has been so much fun. Henry, Jamil, and Kathy, it is always a pleasure to have you on, and I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. On the Market is created by Dave Meyer and Kaylin Bennett, produced by Kaylin Bennett, edited by Joel Esparza, copywriting by Nate Weintraub. Special thanks to Lisa Scheuer, Eric Knutson, Danielle Daly, and Nathan Winston. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. Investing in small multifamily properties is probably the most popular niche in the entire bigger pockets community. And there's a good reason for that. You can put as little as 3.5% down and own up to four units. So just think about that for a second. You can house hack where you live in one of the units, but in addition to having a place to live, you still have three different groups of tenants helping to pay down your mortgage each month. You have four kitchens and bathrooms that you could add value to to build equity. You could also turn one or more of the properties into a short-term rental or a medium-term rental. And all this, what I'm describing here is just one transaction. But of course the question is, where do you find one of these small multifamily properties that you can afford? Which markets and which deals are best for you? How about after you close? How do you manage it, optimize it? Keep scaling and living your life without being tied down by four leaky toilets, or four fussy tenants? These are all great questions. And luckily for you, they're going to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient, great strategy, head to biggerpockets.com four today and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. I'll see you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only.